Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, it's me, Maggie. And me, Julia. And we're here to talk to you about some good old Halloween reads. Yay! Woo! Should be a good time. I pivoted last minute, everybody. I was going to do practical magic. And instead, I'm talking to you about a young adult thriller. (laughs) And I hope that that's okay. But it felt just spooky enough. I mean, I think thrillers are still autumnal. I mean... Yes, I do feel like thrillers are very autumnal, though. Like, mm-hmm. the only time of year where I really want to read about murder is autumn. I could I could get down with it in, like, the winter. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe in the winter. I think it's probably that seasonal affective disorder right there. <laughs> where what? it's just like, let's just sit in that. <laughs> I don't have that. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm never. Please, you are from the Midwest. <laughs> Meaning what? I am from the Midwest. There is like a gray dome that sits over the Midwest in the winter. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's winter. why so many people go tanning in the winter. Well, yeah, they got to work on their tan. <laughs> It can't well, be pale <laughs> in this economy. <laughs> what are they, vampires? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why they have to be tan. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you are talking to us about murder. I am going to be talking to you about witches. The because full the book spectrum of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh because I read a discovery of witches for this episode. Yes, she did. She read the book she said she was going to read. I did. (laughs) Good for Julia. (laughs) But yes, A Discovery of Witches, and I am doing A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Julia, why don't you hit us up with a little summary of your book? Okay. This is from the top of my head because it does not have a thing on the back. It has Well, it has like three sentences on the back. So let me, I'll read that. Okay, perfect. Um, A world of witches, demons, and vampires. A manuscript which holds the secrets of their past and the key to their future. Mm. Diana and Matthew, the forbidden love at the heart of it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sometimes forbidden love just makes me chuckle. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Okay, keep going. No, that was it. (laughs) Okay. Um, So it's forbidden because like the three creatures the witches demons and vampires aren't supposed to like interact with each other at all unless they absolutely have to because if if they do they draw the attention of the humans like these creatures are so like uncanny valley slash slightly otherworldly that if multiples are together then people just notice them more um and they're trying to stay hidden so that is why their love is forbidden it's because (laughs) there's um i think it's called the congregation and the congregation is a group of three of each of them that basically come together and uphold the rules so like they meet in secret when they hear someone's breaking the rule they send whoever from that branch of the congregation to go deal with it okay nice mm-hmm. nice yeah, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. spooky stuff it is it's it's actually kind of like a dark academia it starts off as that and then turns into um like a romancy 
mystery sort of okay but with academia like always at the heart of it which Hmm. is cool i like that that's very Mm -hmm. fun yeah very cool thanks so much yeah how about you um i did not write down a summary so i'm reading the blurb from goodreads (laughs) nice a good girl's guide to murder by holly jackson the case is closed Five years ago, schoolgirl Andy Bell was murdered by Sal Singh. The police know he did it. Everyone in town knows he did it. But having grown up in the same small town that was consumed by the murder, Pippa Fitzamobi isn't so sure. When she chooses the case as the topic for her final year project, she starts to uncover secrets that someone in town desperately wants to stay hidden. And if the real killer is out there, how far will they go to keep Pip from the truth? That sounds really good. It's really good. It's really, really, really good. Yeah, it sounds addictive. It is. Mm -hmm. I Well, I listened to the audiobook, and I listened to all three. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop myself. It was amazing. I loved it. It was a book that I have avoided for so long because when I worked at a bookshop, it was like the book that teens stole. Like all teen girls oh. were reading this book and they were stealing these books. And I was like, what is in these books that people just can't stop? But then it was um, on my audiobook app. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, maybe, maybe I'll listen. <laughs> now that you no longer work at a bookstore. Now that I no longer work at a bookstore. It is so good. The mystery is amazing. It doesn't even feel like you're reading young adult at all like it fully feels like a complex intense heart-wrenching adult thriller they just like don't use bad language hey i kind of like that though yeah it is and like the topics are still really intense because it has a lot to do with like abuse and emotional abuse and sexual assault and murder so it's still they're not shying away from hefty top topics Mm -hmm. it's just like not written in a really graphic way. Yeah. So highly recommend you guys. Are there sexy times in it? No sexy times. There's only making out. Okay. All right. It is YA. (laughs) Some YA does have it though. I know, but I don't think that follows the YA rules. (laughs) It doesn't. (laughs) No, there's no sexy times. Fair enough. Do you have any fun facts? I have a few. One, very rudely, Holly Jackson is only 30. <laughs> so, mean. <laughs> anyway, good for her. Um, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder is her debut novel, and it was published in 2019, and it received the following accolades. It was the American Library Association's Amazing Audiobooks for Young Adults. Winner, the Goodreads Choice nominee for Young Adult Fiction. It was shortlisted for the Young Adult Book Prize. It was the winner of the British Book Awards Children's Fiction Book Winner of the Year. And it was the one of the Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year. Wow. Her debut. That's pretty <laughs> epic. <laughs> Crazy. And she was what, like 25? Yeah. 26? 26. Oh, man. I know. Good job. <laughs> good for her, but rude. But good for her. <laughs> but good for her. Um, Julia, do you have some fun facts that you would like to share with the group? I do. Um, 
Yeah. So Diana Gabaldon went to Oxford. She went to a lot of different universities, but the reason that I mention Oxford University is because that is where a discovery of witches starts. It it mm-hmm. stays there for a good chunk, like the first third of the book, but then they travel to other places. Um, and so I just thought that was really interesting. Like, obviously, she liked it enough to <laughs> write about yeah. it. Yeah. She also has an award-winning blog, which is called Good Wine Under $20. Um, nice. Yeah, it's still up. I just, I scrolled through a little bit of it. And um, it hasn't been updated since 2012, but it's still award-winning. It still and, won the award. And it's still a blog with like different wine suggestions. I don't imagine the wine has gone anywhere. I can't imagine it has. So if you're interested in good wine under $20, I Google it. Am. And well, actually, you need to add blog to the end of that Google search. Otherwise, they're just going to send you right. wine like it's to actual, buy. <laughs> actual wine. wine. Yeah. Um, but also on her website, there is a calendar with dates to read specific chapters. Like if you're reading along with the timeline that happens in the book, uh, she has a calendar on her website for that. That's so cute. Yeah, it's it it is literally so autumnal. It is great. It is so cool. Um yeah, she also has like a companion guide that I had at one point, but I think I don't have anymore. Um that has the dates as well. If you wanted to read along in real time. Um, okay. Nice. I tried it at one point, but then I was like, uh, I have to wait four days to read this next chapter. <laughs> no, thanks. But it starts on September 18th. So if you're ever interested in reading it and want to read along, that is the date to start. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, nice. Well, Julia. Yes. Thoughts and feelings. Did you like the discovery of witches. Oh yeah, I mean it. I do love that book. It is. It's been a while since I've read it. I think I tried picking it up a couple of times, um, and I just wasn't feeling it. Mostly because I'll get into it later, but I didn't like the TV show, and so that kind mm. of spoiled the book for me. Like I didn't want to pick it up, but I have forgotten just enough to read it this year. So. Nice. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Well, okay. So it was published in 2011. Okay. And I'm pretty sure I got it when it was published. And so I had just been reading it like every single year in autumn since 2011. Yeah it's, yeah. it's it's really cool. Um, So I'm glad I was able to get back to it. That's nice. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And you you liked the book. I feel like I've made it clear that I loved it. Um, I can't recommend it enough. 10 out of 10. Well, that's good considering you're talking about it for this podcast episode. I thought so, yeah. I thought it was yeah. important that I enjoyed the book, the read <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, Julia. Yeah. How did you come across this book? Probably in my hometown, Barnes & Noble. Noble. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Amazing. <laughs> you. Um, from the youths at the bookshop. I had never heard of this book before until teens were stealing it. <laughs> and, youths. Then, <laughs> youths. and then they were like, do you have a good girl's guide to murder? And I'd be like, we should have three copies. And then I'd be like, nope, they're all gone. <laughs> 
Um, I will order you one, but the teens, the teens keep stealing it. And wow. I don't know why. I don't get it. But you know yes. what? At least they're reading. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I guess. I am always like, even if I've thought about stealing something, part of me is like, no, there's an alarm that's going to go off the minute I walk through the door, um, which keeps me in line. If I knew that an alarm wasn't going to go off, then I would have more of a moral issue, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say what the security is at the bookshop I worked at, but it was close to nothing. (laughs) I just, but then if it's not an alarm, I feel like it's cameras. Like there's probably cameras everywhere. Like there's someone is going to walk around the corner and just to see it happening. Literally, my anxiety has kept me from being a thief. And that's good. (laughs) What do you want to be? Like Oliver Twist? (laughs) No, no, I don't. It's just very interesting to think about, I think. Comparing with the youths that clearly are fine. They're fine with it. Yeah, they they have no moral conundrum. <laughs> no. With stealing these books about murder. <laughs> um, so, Julia. Yeah. What was the most compelling thing to you about A Discovery of Witches before you read it? And what is the most compelling now that you have read it? Can you remember all the way back to 2011? Oh. Um. <laughs> Probably not. Um, The cover is really cool. The American cover of the book is very cool. Um, It's kind of it's kind of lame here, actually. Like, I know I have my American version, but it's in a box somewhere in America. Um, So I had to get the UK version and it reminds me of Twilight. Not going to lie. I hate that. It does does look like Twilight. (laughs) It looks like Twilight, which I don't think is good, Um, but the cover is very cool. And then I kept reading it because I like the academic parts of it. It's, I mean, it's also like a historical fiction, but it's not, it's not set in a historical period. It's set in like now, but because there is so much history in it, I think that's why it is considered a historical fiction. Okay, um, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. The second book is definitely, his, like, it's a mild, mild spi- spoiler, but she finds out that she can time walk, like she can go back and forward in time. Sweet. And so she does. Um, As and, you should. Yeah. And so the second book is in Elizabethan England, which hmm. is very cool. So that that, in that sense, I'm sure, like, is way more historical fiction that that people would be expecting with that sort of genre. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but it's still good. I mean, the vampire is super old. Matthew is like very attractive mid thirties, but also like heckin' old. <laughs> like a thousand, <laughs> like two thousand. Like he's he's from somewhere in the BC, I think. Whoa. I know, I know. Ew, that's almost too old. <laughs> like, did he? I think he crossed a line. <laughs> too old now. <laughs> How old is the woman, though? 20? No, she's also in her, I think she's 30 or early 30s. How old is she? Like 200? No, no, she's she's literally like 30. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. 
a real Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. I mean, he only showed up in her life because he was going to steal a book from her. Oh, my. Okay. And then he fell in love. He has been alive for that long and he couldn't steal a book without getting caught. That's almost (laughs) embarrassing. (laughs) Oh, you just need to read the book. (laughs) Okay, I'll read it. I'm convinced now. Yeah. Just for all of the shenanigans that he is too old for. (laughs) Exactly. I'll just be giggling away. (laughs) Reading. No, I'm sure it's also very serious. Just sometimes things like that make me laugh. And I can't. You should know better. You should know better. (laughs) Come on. You have had years to perfect this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. It's, yeah. That part is quite funny. So, all right. It was on your audiobook player. Yes. And that was that what was compelling about you trying it? Or was it that the teens kept stealing it? I don't know. It was there. And the other audiobooks that I had saved were not interesting to me. And so I thought to myself, hey, I'll give it a go. Why mm-hmm. not? I have to go for a long walk today. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not really sure what compelled me, to be honest, except that it had been on my mind because of mm-hmm. the teens. And then it was on my audiobook app and it was there. And so I listened to it. Fair enough. So now that you have read it, what is the most compelling part about it? Mm, that's interesting. I do think there's something to be said for the production value of mm-hmm. these audiobooks. And I've said this to you before in our personal lives, mm-hmm. but there are about six or seven actors. There are sound effects. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they make like muffled noises when they're using like their microphones. I just think that there's a lot of care that has been put into the audiobooks that makes mm-hmm. you feel like you're almost listening to an audio drama as opposed to just one yeah. person reading a book. And that made it much more interesting and engaging, I think, for me as a listener. And I just, looking back, now that I have actually read the full trilogy, the journey that happens, because they're all kind of related to one another, Mm -hmm. and there's a really big arc in that, and people are really torn on whether or not they like the last book, because it's bold. It's a bold story. Um, But I think it's a really interesting character arc for the main character to take during, during the trilogy. Do you have a favorite line or section? Um, I, well, I don't have the book. Yeah. I only so listen. It's kind of hard to, to pick it, it up. So I uh, I don't really have a favorite line. I would say looking back, one of my favorite sections is there's this camping section, which is mm-hmm. where the mystery sort of takes its first dark turn. Um, Pippa is camping with some of her friends. And in the distance, she sees someone with a flashlight like looking at them and she freaks out and her and her two male friends go to check it out. And then they hear screaming and they turn and they run. And her two other friends had like run off on their own because they were scared and they couldn't find them. And Mm -hmm. then she gets into the tent and into her sleeping bag. And someone has written a note that tells her to like stop, stop the investigation. And she doesn't know if it was the creepy person in the woods or if it was one of her friends trying to get her 
out of the tent. And so, oh, yeah, it's no. like, it's Ooh, really yeah, it's really chilling. I also just want to say trigger warning. I'm going to share my least favorite part of the book. Please do. And it has to do with animal cruelty. Mm. Um, she gets to, and I'm just going to share it. It's a spoiler sort of, but it's really sad. So I'm going to say what it is because I was crying listening to this book. Mm. Um, the murderer, she's getting too close. And so the murderer steals her dog and he's like, or she, he or she, who knows, says, destroy the evidence or I will kill your dog. And so she destroys the evidence and then they kill the dog. <gasps> No. It's really distressing. Oh, no. It is very sad. I was listening to this part in the bathtub, and I was just like, no. <laughs> and I just, like, submerged myself onto the water. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Especially because when the dog is taken, I was like, absolutely not. So I follow this website called DoesTheDogDie.com, and they mm -hmm. let you know if the dog has died in the book you are reading or the TV show or the movie you are watching. And okay. they do all sorts of warnings. You know, does a horse die? Does a mom yell at a kid? It, like any mm -hmm. sort of thing that could ever alarm you. Yeah. It's on this website. It's a very handy website. So I looked it up and they were like, yes, in chapter 35. But because of the audiobook, the chapters weren't correct. So I was on chapter 34 thinking I was fine. But it started on chapter zero and it happened. And I was listening. To no, it. And no, it was like, no, absolutely no. not. It was distressing. I can't lie to you. Oh. But it does play a really big part in the third book as well. In like a vengeful way. Okay. Which is good. But um, it was traumatic for me. It was really bad. I almost didn't finish, but the book was too good for me to stop. Hmm. I know. You should write into the website and tell them. Should I? Yeah. I, I should actually and be like, hey, on audiobooks, it's chapter 34. <laughs> Yeah. FYI, because this was traumatizing to me. There is actually a thing you can comment. Anybody can comment on it. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a free, I don't know how it works, free yeah. website. Yeah, I think some someone should be notified just for future listeners. Yeah, truly, truly, genuinely. Um, okay. Yeah. What about you, Julia? Favorite, <laughs> line, or, favorite line or section you'd like to share? Um. So my favorite line is... I mean, it sounds kind of lame because it's on the binding and it's used as like kind of the preface, but it comes up so often in the series. Um, and it is it begins with absence and desire. It begins with blood and fear. It begins with a discovery of witches. I love that. It's so cool. That's um, so cool. It's epic. It's epic. And it shows up multiple times um throughout the series because diana um yes sorry i was like oh is that the okay. author's name no the author's name is deborah um <laughs> <laughs> diana the main character in this book she is a historian of alchemy and so she yeah. she studies alchemical manuscripts and um all of that stuff and so she comes across this manuscript that has that in there and like not really it's an interesting thing because she is a witch that doesn't want to use her powers okay because she she wants to feel like she has earned all of the things that she has done she doesn't want to feel like magic has played a part in anything sure um, okay 
And there's there's some childhood trauma that has gone into that too, which I mean is probably a good trigger warning is just her parents, I think when she was seven or eight, are brutally murdered um, because they're very strong um, witches. Like they're very powerful. They're very strong. And so people are kind of afraid of what Diana might do. Okay. Yeah. Just because she's like the child of these two amazing witches. But because of their traumatic deaths, um, she decides to just cut magic out of her life. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that is where we start is she is studying when science started becoming more prevalent okay. um, in searches for explaining magic, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So I really like that line because it comes up a lot. Favorite section. I feel like they do a lot of describing foods and smells and tastes in the first Ooh. book. I, they haven't really done much in the second one. But in the first book, there's a lot of like really tasty sounding descriptions. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. We love some good food. We love food here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know about my least favorite. Hmm, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, there are parts. I could say my least favorite character is one of the the witches that is on the congregation. Um okay. his name is Peter Knox and he's awful. He's just it, it not I don't even know. Like the words are escaping me because I'm trying not to say bad words, but I don't like him. Ooh, okay. We don't like him. The vibe is off. And you don't want that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, anyway, you had a thriller, like a mystery. I did. So you kind of got to piece together what was happening or kind of like hypothesize what was going to happen. Um, Indeed, yes. Is there anything that you expected to happen that then did not? I think generally I was really surprised at the quality of the book. Like I didn't think that the mystery was going to be as intense and complicated as it was, Mm -hmm. especially because I have watched so many sort of mystery television shows and movies Mm -hmm. and I keep guessing who the killer is and I keep sort of guessing the twists in the end, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that there's still enjoyment to be had, even if you know what the ending is. But this book really took me for a ride. Like, I had no idea what was ever coming. Um, I thought that all of the plot twists were really well-deserved, and it was really, really clever. And I really, I just thought it was a really smart, well-laid-out book. There were some parts that um, I thought to myself, they didn't finish in the book. But then they finished them in the sequel. So I guess she had a plan all along. Because I was like, oh... There's a bit where she's sort of spying on these people. And, um, and it and goes it, nowhere. It never comes back. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I guess we will just never find out. But then you do find out in the sequel. So. so so does the murder get solved in the first book? It does. Yeah. So then is there more murder in the second and third? Is that a spoiler? It's not a spoiler. But they're all sort of related to one another. So 
in the first book, there's a murder. In the second one, someone goes missing. Okay. And you find out how that that is potentially related to her last investigation Mm -hmm. um, and what people are sort of looking for. And then the third one, um, something happens at the end of the second book that really traumatizes Pippa. And so she decides that she wants to solve a case that there's no like gray. It's all black and white. Like it's Mm -hmm. clear that the killer was bad. They did something wrong. They deserve to go to jail because she's like really struggling with the law system and how Mm -hmm. like good people can do bad things and how bad people aren't convicted of their crimes, blah, blah, blah. And then she herself starts to get death threats. And she's like, why am I getting these? And so it kind of leads her to investigating an old cold case, but also how someone is threatened by her knowledge and existence from what happened in the first book. Oh. Yeah. How interesting. Very, very. Third one gets crazy. Yeah. I had no idea because I was listening to this book and it's a lot longer than the first one and the second one. And I was listening to it and there's a scene as in many detective novels where she gets captured. Yep. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm near the end of the book. That's crazy. And mm-hmm. I looked and I was not even halfway. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. I am in for a wild ride. Oh, it no. Was, it did not disappoint. Well, that's good. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I had, I mean, I've read, I read this, I've read it for a very long time. Um, (laughs) So there's nothing that was unexpected. And I don't remember when I first read it to be like, oh, dang, that's, that's unexpected. But I mean, yeah, you'd have to tell me if like you read it, if there is anything that, that you think, I mean, it's really interesting that Matthew the vampire is a scientist and okay. he is currently working on genetics and mm, like okay. um genetic tracing and just he's basically like his side project is trying to figure out how one how far back like these this DNA goes like the creatures um where did it begin sort of thing and okay. Secondarily, are they as different as we think they are? Like, are they are they all coming from the same one supernatural being, or is it three distinct like beings that they're descended from? Which is interesting, and that doesn't really get solved in the first or the second book, but I think it okay. does get solved in the third. Interesting. I don't remember, but we will find out. We'll find out. Are you going to read all the way through it then? Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you read it all the way through? It's been a very, I think I've only read the second and third books once before. Okay. Normally I would just read the first book because it is very autumnal. The second one I'm finding is definitely kind of more Christmassy. Because, I mean, it it picks up the timeline where the first one leaves off. So the first one literally ends uh, at midnight on Halloween. Um, And the second one picks up at midnight on Halloween and then goes into the winter. Okay. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I guess you can pause and continue when it gets a little bit chillier. 
It's already kind of cold here. Not gonna lie. <laughs> like I, I am chilly, but I mean, I did move here from California, so. Yeah, I mean, you have a very low bar for chilliness. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know, my hands just have terrible circulation. They're constantly like once it gets cold outside, my hands are always cold. Mm-hmm. I get that. My hands and my feet. I yeah, stand it, but they're always freezing. I always mm-hmm. need to be in like little gloves. Yeah, I've got like a thumb hole in in this shirt that I'm very excited for. Um, but when I don't have a thumb hole, I do have fingerless gloves that I wear. Oh my god! So I can what? still use my phone. You are so cool. <laughs> Thanks. I wish I was more like you. <laughs> I can get you some fingerless gloves. To be fair, I probably need some. The problem is, is that all of me is cold, even the fingertips. Yeah, that is the one thing where I'm like, I mean, it's it's not the main part of my hand that gets super cold. It is the tips of my fingers. Mm. But it's easier to type when I can use my fingertips. Yeah. They make those gloves now that you can. Do they? That you Do can. they work, though? I had a pair and they worked pretty good, actually. But okay. I don't know where I put them. Oh, no. I think I just lost. Like, I've moved so much. I think they just eventually became lost. Mm. Well, that's a good Christmas gift. Yeah. Keep that in the back of your mind, everybody. Mm-hmm. I need gloves that can text. <laughs> And I think I do as well. So <laughs> we both need them, but not cheap ones, good ones that we can actually text with. <laughs> anyway, um, what were some of your favorite themes or tropes in A Discovery of Witches? So I don't know if it's like my favorite trope or theme, but Diana mm-hmm. ends up like because Matthew is a geneticist, he does take her blood at one point. With a needle, not with his mouth. Um, and that's good of him, at least. Yeah, they do. They just do genetic testing on her, and it turns out that she has like the genetic markers for literally like everything. Um, I know, which seems like a lot because you know, when you like overload your main character and it's just like, uh, they can do everything, um, it gets kind of boring. But then the second book kind of goes into why she has all of these genetic markers okay which is cool so i mean initially because i forgot about that in the second book i was like oh she has just like all of the superpowers she's like an overpowered witch um which is kind of lame but no that's not the case (laughs) just to go with it um i mean i'm not generally a fan of forbidden romance (gasps) <gasps> I mean, I'm just, I'm more of an enemies to lovers gal. Like, in it, it sort of starts off like that-ish, but they don't have the banter as much. Um, yeah. And it then it becomes forbidden. And you just, I mean, you're rooting for them the whole time anyway. Of course um, you are. And so there's that. A big theme, I think, is is just the separation between the creatures in general, not just between Diana and Matthew, just like the congregation being outdated and needing to change the system because even if they're different, they're not that different and everyone deserves to love who they want to love and and all of that. And it's just like, it's one of those things kind of 
where the rules were made up so long ago that no one wants to change it, but it needs to be changed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like the undercurrent the entire time is there is a revolution happening and they're, they're literally in the center of it. They're working on it. I do love a revolution. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help it. I know. (laughs) I find them exciting. It is exciting. It's it's not like a giant battle sort of revolution the way that Twilight kind of had. Well, Um, uh, Twilight, is that really a revolution? I mean, come on. It's not really. I don't know. I mean, I haven't finished the third book. I haven't read it since it came out. So I'll tell you otherwise if it's crazy. Please Um, do. But so far, the revolution is more through like subterfuge and um nice and things more spy like than it is actual combat okay but i love a spy (laughs) that's fun too all right all right i'm just trying not to hype up this book too much in case you hate it but i think you'll like it i don't hate it that doesn't think it it sounds pretty up my street yeah except for matthew the weirdo (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not his fault though <laughs> <laughs> all right what, are you? what themes and tropes did you enjoy or um, not enjoy it takes a lot of the classic turns of sort of an old age mystery you know it felt really like nancy drew in some of its elements not really like really old school like something you know yeah, Agatha Christie. It definitely mm-hmm. didn't remind me of that, but it did remind me of Nancy Drew, where it was like this plucky young girl getting into places that she shouldn't, and people getting like really tired of her questions mm-hmm. and her really just trying to do the right thing. But I also think some of the themes were interesting because I think so often we read thrillers and we read crime novels or we watch different like mysteries on TV. And we don't really think about the effects that they have on the people after. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's like a good thing. You caught the killer. It's all over. The end. Goodbye. And I think some of the themes that it touches on in the second and third book is how traumatizing it was for her to have to sort of go through that and to also sort of lose faith in humanity because there were so many people that she had trusted and believed in and they turned out to do th- really horrible things Mm -hmm. and you know how does justice exist in when you have like so much mercy in your heart for people and it's just I think it covers a lot of really intense topics and like really hard discussions that people just don't have answers to because Mm -hmm. you can't have answers to something like that it's so complicated and I think that it really deals with those topics well there's not really any tropes I guess except that there's a capture, you know, a near-death experience, which is classic okay. mystery. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I can't really think of anything. There is a little romance, which is fun. Cute. Love that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the holiday season is almost upon us. Almost. Um, if you were to give a good girl's guide to murder as a gift, what type of person would you give it to? A person who is my friend. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I would give it to someone who I know enjoys mysteries. 
especially someone I knew maybe who grew up enjoying Nancy Drew, or I think that these books are really addictive and they're really fast paced. So someone mm-hmm. who's maybe looking to get back into reading who hasn't read in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not a series that you can put down. So if you're worried about getting bored during a book, this would not be it, I think. Okay. Yeah. Is there is there like a bottom of the age range that you would pass it along yeah. to or not? Like who's too young for this book? You know, I think it, it depends on the kid, really. Yeah. I would probably say 14 would be the youngest that I would get it for. I think probably like peak age range for this book would be 14 to 18. Okay. Um, Just because it does deal with some really dark concepts that I just don't think are probably appropriate for someone 11 or 12, 13. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. What about you? Um, I would gift a discovery of witches to someone probably interested in historical fiction and interested in... Mm, if I if someone told me I was really into Twilight when I was younger, okay, I know I keep bringing up Twilight. Um, Are you rewatching <laughs> Twilight right now? No, it's just the vampire thing that sticks out in my brain the most. Um, then I would probably suggest a discovery of witches, or if someone was like, "Oh, I watched Witches of East End, which is a great fun okay. show," um, then I would be like, "Oh, you'd probably like this book." Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's delicately witchy and creatureful, but it's also very smart. I mean, it has a really smart main protagonist with Diana. She is happy with her life. She is not expecting to meet anyone. She is working. She's a workaholic and loves working with these alchemical manuscripts and drinking tea and going for runs and doing yoga. Like she has no time for a man and then suddenly Matthew shows up trying to steal this book and they end up having to be an unlikely team together okay interesting yeah Yeah. interesting and it just kind of goes from there I am curious about this Mm -hmm. I'm I'm interested in, in reading this book I've heard only good things about a discovery of witches it is it is very cool it is it is a very cool book my absolute giggles about Matthew. I am interested in reading it. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably give it to someone that I know is interested in witchcraft or just academia type stuff. Okay. Um, Julia. Yes. Tell us about the Discovery of Witches television program. It's not good. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not. I mean, it's just one of those things where I'm sure it's actually great, except for the fact that I've read this book for years and just seeing people try to put it on screen, it didn't do it for me. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry. They did the best that they could, I think. Okay. Um. But there's just some things that obviously not the entire book gets adapted and like the parts that I think they left out were kind of important. Like you still get Diana's character. You still get Matthew's character. Like they are the boiled down essence of it, but it's the nuance that 
I think is way more interesting about them. Yeah. And you just don't have the time, I guess, with because I think they did it as a limited series sort of thing. Like it wasn't very long. I think it was only 10 episodes per book. Um, okay. And I just, uh, I will say they got Peter Knox right. But okay. <laughs> I mean, 10 episodes is kind of a lot. Are they really long books? Like, did they yeah. just sort of miss the complexities of their relationships? Yeah. It, I mean, the books, like, what is the first one? The second one is like 600 pages. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. is a lot. The first one is almost 700. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That is long. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, they're not going to get everything, but it's just one of those things where it's like, it, it it didn't hit for me. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would suggest if you're interested in reading the book, read the book first. And don't watch the TV show. And don't watch the show. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. What nice. Is Good Girl's Guide to Murder is a show? It is going to be one on the BBC. Um, Very exciting. The girl, you've seen Wednesday. Yes. The girl who plays the werewolf. Enid? Oh. Enid is going to be the main girl, Pippa. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so I'm really excited. I think it's really good casting. And I'm curious to see what they do with it. Yeah. Do you know when it's coming out? No idea. I'm sure there was a slight delay on it just with yes, all with the, the writers. Strike. Um, but I but maybe not with BBC though. That's true. Unless they were just in solidarity. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure when it comes out. I know that they have sort of just announced it mm-hmm. and they only have like preliminary casting. Yeah. So will, I'm not sure how will far will you be watching it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If the BBC does one thing well, it's really cheesy thrillers. And this is not necessarily cheesy, but the BBC loves a mystery. They put all their money into mysteries and thrillers. And Doctor Who. And Doctor Who. (laughs) um, Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. Cool. I'll have to read it before it comes out. I highly recommend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Julia, ah, last question. Um. Any book recommendations for folks who just loved A Discovery of Witches and are looking for something else? I I do. I do have two recommendations. They are both a dark academia type one. Okay. Um, the first one is called The Cloisters. Um, is written by Katie Hayes, and it takes place in the galleries of the Met, or like it takes place more in like the medieval area. So okay, the Met is very new stuff, and she goes to the cloisters, which are related to the Met, but not at on-site, basically. Okay, interesting. Um, and there's just this intern, and there's a bunch of tarot and a mystery, and uh, someone dies, and I the only the only disappointing thing, which I honestly feel really silly saying it was disappointing. Is, is there was so much sexual tension between like three characters that I thought an orgy was going to happen at some point and then it didn't and I was like what why <laughs> so you were disappointed I was disappointed Julia it's like this is a wasted opportunity they're all just being like really mysterious but touchy with each other like they're gonna have sex i know it i literally looked over and 
I was like, they're going to, it's it's this chapter. They're going to do it. And then they didn't. And I was like, oh my God, why? So sorry. You missed so if you're looking for sex, don't go to the cloisters. I will keep that in mind. Yes. But, but it is an interesting book. Um, yeah. Anyway, my second... <laughs> Uh, my second recommendation is Ninth House by... I didn't know you had Marie read Bardugo. that. I did. I didn't like it as much mm. as as you did, I think. Yeah. Um, it's kind of... It's grungier than A Discovery of Witches. Yeah, it's kind of dark. Yeah, but it... I mean, it takes place at a college and there's a mystery and there's witchcraft. And if you want that sort of thing, then that is what you should do. Hey, that's totally fair. Yeah. What about you? Um, so if you're looking for something with similar vibes to A Good Girl's Guide for Murder, I recommend We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. And also One of Us is Lying by Karen McManus. Both of them have the um, sort of a group of people isolated together and one of them ends up dead. Who did it? Oh. How do we know? How do we solve this case? Um, which is sort of a mystery trope that I always enjoy. And they're both pretty captivating. One of Us is Lying, I think, has sequels, too. Oh, cool. So okay. If you're looking for one that goes on a little bit longer, mm-hmm. um, that's definitely a good one to look at. And then um, if you're looking for a mystery with a slightly paranormal element, I would recommend The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. It's actually kind of scary to me when I read it. Mm. But um, this girl is solving this mystery that's happening in the small town that she just moved to. And then all of these really ghosty paranormal things are happening at the motel that she's staying at. It's creepy. Spooky. Um, but really good. I remember reading it and I just couldn't put it down. So... Might be better in hindsight, but I don't think so. So um, those would be my recommendations. Amazing. Love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I guess with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For more Novel Finds content, including mini-sodes and unboxing videos, subscribe to our Patreon. You can also listen to our mini-sodes through Spotify if you're a patron, so be sure to check that out by searching Novel Finds Patreon Exclusives. Our email, Instagram, and Patreon details can be found in our bio. We'll see y'all next time. And enjoy Halloween! Yes. <laughs> I, I, I overcommitted to almost doing a mwahaha. <laughs> and then, very, and then nothing came out. Mwahaha! <laughs> 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 That was great. <laughs> Thank you. Ooh.